For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo, Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. End of the first week in September. Man, are your kids back in school? My kids are back in school. I'm glad we're doing this broadcast today. It's a good one. It's sponsored by MyPillow.com and SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization. I've talked to some parents that are worried about their daughters being confident. You know, there's a little bit of timidity going on in the first part of school and just some anxiousness. And we've got Maria Furlow on the podcast today for our Moms on the Mic, talking about how to improve mom's confidence so that their daughters can also be confident. Great, great pod for you today. Let's jump into it. Here is Maria Furlow with a Moms on the Mic edition of Rebel Parenting. Hello, Rebels. We're back again. Moms on the Mic, here we are with Maria Furlow today, and um, we are really excited to have her on our program today. And um, Author, Mama, you have the same lineup that I do. Oh, really? Yes, I have a girl and then three boys. So, yeah. So tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm my oldest, like you said, is a girl. And I kept on waiting for that second girl to came and she never popped out. <laughs> um, but I am so thankful with my daughter, Faith, with her being my first one. God just really gave me the time through the years to to wrestle through some things so that the, by the time she's about to turn 12, I think I'm ready. I, I say that cautiously, but I think I'm ready for her to turn 12. Um, and I, I just, you know, my husband and I, over a decade and a half ago, we started in youth ministry full time uh, in a church in Connecticut. And we did that for a couple of years and then moved down here to North Carolina to start our family. And that's really where God launched kind of like my writing um, ministry, but it all started way back then in those youth ministry days where working with young girls, where you get the Mm. unique opportunity to be a part of a young woman's life and not be her mom. And so I was taking all the mental notes. I hadn't even had any children yet, but I was taking all the mental notes and learning, you know, to really try to take a lot of those years into my own parenting journey. So that's a little little nutshell for you. That's awesome. Well, I'm sure in youth ministry, you saw pretty much everything yeah. across the board. I, I did youth ministry for 15 years prior to getting married to my husband. And I just got to witness everything from, mm-hmm. you know, early sexual issues mm-hmm. to yep. eating disorders to, yep. I mean, yeah. you name it. I got to see it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cutting and all that. Yep. All that world. You, you see all us. of it. Yep. So you yeah. understand. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I, I wasn't as conscious as you, I wasn't taking mental notes, but now, you know, I have a daughter who's seven and I just think, and I have a son who's going to be 13 in a couple months. We Mm -hmm. both are going to have teenagers in the next couple months here. And that's scary in its own right. Yet I would love to just dive in and how can we as moms just give that confidence to our daughters and, and really shape them to be confident women? Yeah, I think that one of the things that 
stood out to me the most that really took me through even being motivated to put everything down on paper and really walk this confidence journey with moms was being, you know, an objective third party to these young women and seeing how much that their mothers were impacting their confidence and the daughter Mm. and the mom really not even being aware that it was happening. But because I was listening to these girls talking and hearing what they were saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, like mom doesn't even know. And when you're in the youth ministry, you know, setting like, you know, if it's not something that's bringing harm to the girl, I didn't necessarily always feel the liberty to go, you know, divulge all the things to mom, but at the same time, trying to encourage the girl to let her mom know, but just wanting so bad for her mom to know and understand how much of an impact that she was making on her daughter in this area of confidence and self-image and body image without her even realizing I had such compassion on those moms and Mm -hmm. just kept that at the forefront of my mind as, as I was, you know, growing in my own motherhood to know, like, look, even when she seems like she is not paying attention she is paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I hold my daughter's youth group leader to a very high honor because she does. She soaks everything in. Yeah. And she doesn't have children yet. And sometimes as a mom, when we've had conversations, I really loved her perspective because she was outside of that world. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there was no her own story in it. It was just her observation. Yeah. And I I think that is just such a, a unique experience that you have been able to bring into your own motherhood. And yeah, to bring those tools and how you have dealt with your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, walking through this book, which we didn't really say what the book was yet, but it's Confident Moms, Confident Daughters. And it comes out August, right? Yeah. 2019? August 20th, 2019. Okay. This, this upcoming August. Obviously, it's well loved already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> but yeah, there was just with this book, you bring to light. We've had a couple of people on already talking about like, what would you say? What are the top conversations that you have with your daughter mm-hmm. before she goes to school or college? What is some common struggles with eating disorders and Mm -hmm. like Nancy Alcorn? But I loved that you really focused in on tangible Mm -hmm. tools specifically to body image. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just me personally of like, oh, I wasn't aware that that could affect my 12-year-old and how Mm. I'm looking at this. So if you could share a little bit more about your book um, for our audience and just specifically what this is tackling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was that young girl whose parents loved me very much and it brought tears to their eyes whenever I was crying about the way that I was looking or so angry because my clothes were too tight or I felt fat. And so I knew what it was like to be the receiving end on the words, oh, but Maria, you're so beautiful. God made you this way. You're perfect just the way that you are. Like, I remember all of those words and I remember them just like falling off like they they meant nothing because Mm -hmm. because words just when you're feeling and experiencing something so deeply, it just sometimes now I'm not saying that you don't need to say those things. We absolutely need to always have those words on our lips. But I thank you. Yeah. But they're just. But having the actions and the and the modeling as a mom is just so important to back all of that up with all the words that we give to to show. And you know, my poor mom. She, you know, she 
you'll read throughout the book. Like she was right along with me in this journey. She's read every word and written her mm-hmm. own chapter, but I feel so bad for her because in writing of this book, she has allowed me to share, you know, walking out of my bedroom and seeing my mom doing leg crunches in the hallway and like, mm-hmm. you know, stepping over her to get to the bathroom and the mental gymnastics that that did in my brain that I knew why my mom was doing leg crunches in the hallway. And it wasn't mm-hmm. so that she would get stronger or, you know, be healthy. It was because she hated her thighs and felt like she needed to do something about it. You know, I remember what it was like going out to dinner and seeing my mom pass on certain foods all the time. And so these are things with my daughter at a very young age. And that's one of the things, you know, that, that I want to make sure to communicate to moms is it really doesn't matter if your daughter is 13 or two. Like these are Mm -hmm. things as a mom that we can start battling and working on in our homes, no matter the age of our daughters. In fact, I think it's, Mm. it's nice to be able to have those like practice years before they, you know, when they are (laughs) younger, when they're not really paying attention yet to kind of get our footing as far as, you know, what we are modeling with our eating, what we are modeling with our physical activity. And I try to be tender in, in my talking to say, I think that it's really important to remember that these are principles, but the application that we're going to give in our homes, but different Mm -hmm. are going to be different in my home than your home. But if we have this basic principle of what the Bible says, that our main training is in godliness and righteousness, Mm -hmm. then everything else, you know, falls into place. So that's just a little bit behind the vision and the passion behind it. But let me know, you know, what specific, because there's all different, right? We can talk about the eating, we can talk about all all the the jiggly arms, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would love to hit on the eating um, Mm -hmm. just because I think we haven't touched a ton on eating disorders, but I think it's a huge issue and a huge problem in our culture and in in the church. Um, We're looking at social media. We're looking at way Instagram of what we should look like, or we're only posting the the great photos that make us look 10 pounds less. Just a little to the the side. Yeah. Yeah. The gym selfies. (laughs) I know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so so, what in your studies and what have you mm -hmm. found that that can support our listeners? So the interesting thing that is happening right now that I think is important to identify is there really is a worship of health going on. And I am the first to say that it is an important aspect of our life. You know, what we eat and how we use our bodies and You know, we hear the verse quoted all the time that our body is a temple. And so this is not to, you know, diminish those stances. But we also have to be really careful not to pendulum swing the other way to show that your biggest success in your life is your healthy food eating. And it's so overly glorified. Like, you know, you could be at the, you know, at line in a buffet and like, but, you know, you hear, oh, I, I can't eat that. I'm on the thing. Or, you know, oh, I don't eat that. I do the thing. And this kind of like mentality of like, you know, if I'm going to control and be successful at anything in my life is going to be in this health food category. And it was interesting because as I was interviewing people for the book, I interviewed an, an, a woman who owns her own nutrition company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's a very successful company. But she talks about how, you know, when I I was growing up and with the youth, we talked about, you know, bulimia and anorexia, but now Mm. there's this thing called orthorexia and it is, it is actually an obsession with health food that, Oh really? Yep. And the definition of it is that you are so obsessed with healthy eating that it actually affects all the aspects of your lifestyle. And I know people like that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And they're actually, they're actually defining that now. 
as an eating disorder. And I was like, wow, that is really important information to have that even a, a nutrition company who that doesn't teach her company doesn't teach like eat this, don't eat that. They, they teach you how to listen to your body, right? Yes. God gave yeah. us yeah. our own mechanisms in our body. And it's, and it becomes more of a, you know, a physical paying attention than a mental battle of don't eat that. Cause you know, it's like the big red button. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. And then of course, like, mm. you know, you just yeah. want to eat that. So that was really helpful for me to learn that, like, this wasn't just me praying in my house, trying to figure out how to raise a daughter. This is actually a movement going on that people are starting to recognize on a spiritual level, like, look, this, this health obsession is also unhealthy, which sounds like an oxymoron in itself. But so I set out because the eating thing was such a big thing for me, like as a teenager, I would just throw out my lunch you know, Mm -hmm. that, that was where I kind of try to control my body image was through, through, through not eating. And, you know, even having that hunger feeling is kind of feeling like a success. Like, okay, like Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling hungry, then maybe I'm, you know, doing something good to control my body. Um, but you know that those are all addictions and unhealthy things. So Mm -hmm. I really had to train myself as a woman in my home to be okay with moderation and to be okay, especially with my daughter. Like I am not at all, you know, ever going to say that like eating is the joy in of itself all the time, like treats and stuff like that. But I am not going to pass up moments with my girl to like eat ice cream sundae at the breakfast. Sure. Ice cream sundae for breakfast. Sure. <laughs> that's that's, that's what my daughter loves. <laughs> just, just really segregate my own adult health. Cause you know, we're like, we can't ignore that. Like I have to take care of my body, but I also know that my daughter will not translate it like that. So yes. I will put my, my own health decisions aside for temporary moments with my girl to make sure that she sees that you know, all of the food is not evil. We don't eat 50 mm. ice cream sundaes, you know, but yeah. all of these things on occasion. And these are, uh, again, these are not things that I'm teaching with my words. I'm not sitting with her and having a conversation about the ice cream sundae and its health exactly. or not health benefits, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we're just making that, you know, me as a mom, making that an intentional part of, you know, what I'm communicating. So that's a little bit, just a little bit about the eating thing and, you know, just, just balance for me with her to just be really sensitive to, and I, you know, I even talked about this with the pediatrician that, you know, we, you know, we always talk about like teenagers minds that their kind of logic place is the last place to develop. And so logical thinking can say, Oh, my mom is eating healthy because she wants to be strong and also because it's doctor's orders. But because that piece of the brain is not fully developed in our girls, it's way easier for them to translate the emotional part of it that, oh, mom's not eating because she thinks she's fat. Or for herself, oh, I can't eat that because it will make me fat. And so that helped me a lot make sense of my mental thinking when I was growing up or even how you look back on memories as a teenager, you'll remember yeah. the emotion of it more than you'll necessarily remember the actual facts of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask, the ortho, the new eating disorder? Orthorexia. Orthorexia. Yeah. So I have a friend and it seems like everything about eating dictates what they do and who they're even right. associate with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, what else can you share about that? Just because I'm seeing that as a huge issue in mm-hmm. the church and in just really, especially I see it in the homeschool community yeah. where they're homeschooling and then they get the purified water, then they're getting all the purified beefs and then the, the eggs that cost $80 and right. the, you know, like they're just right. going to the extreme. And right. yeah. 
Well, you know, there can only be one thing on the throne of your life, right? Mm. You can only worship one place. You know, we we learn that throughout the whole Old Testament. We know that. And so Mm. it, you know, so the question is, you know, if, if this thing is taking up the majority of your time in your life, is it really possible that God is on the throne over that? you know, that thing. Mm, and so I think, question. and you know, your faith in, in Christ should be the only thing that's impacting all of the places of your life. He's the only thing at the center. You know, you can only revolve around that one thing. So if this one area of health or, you know, going to the gym, it's like everything else has to pay the cost. That's kind of proof that that's what's at the center, you know, oh, you know, or the, the worship place of your yep. home. Yeah. Mm, right. That's perfect. Well, and I'll head on too. Um, with the eating thing, I have an autoimmune disease. I have celiac, so I can't have bread. I can't have, you know, all these other things. And my daughter has it as well. And so what a big learning experience for me has been a shift of how I look at it. It's not a victim thing. It's Mm -hmm. not a, um, well, I can't have that. And you lucky dogs, you all get to have donuts and blah, 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 blah. But it's more of teaching her and myself, you know what helps our body fuel, like the fuel that is Mm -hmm. inside through nutrition, like that's our choice and being smart with that. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll be the first one to say I have totally struggled in this area of body image and eating and taking it too far. Um, and then letting the pendulum swing back the other way. Yeah. But the biggest shift for me, as well as, you know, always having Jesus as your guide of like, mm-hmm. he is your point of contact mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's just switching that of like, I'm doing this because I love my body. Right. I am choosing to eat more veggies mm-hmm. with my sweet potato and my, you know, chicken apple sausage on right. the side. I'm going to put right. broccoli good. on there because yeah, I'm, I'm choosing good. to love it well. Yeah. And like what you were saying, not passing up the ice cream Sunday when, you know, we're going out to celebrate something. Right. Um, but right. it is a very fine line. It is such of, a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It is very, it is very, very hard. And I prayed with every single word of writing that chapter because you're right about the, the pendulum swinging. You're right that, you know, for many of us like me who have struggled with this, I don't know that I'm ever not going to struggle with it. Yeah. My, you know, it's always going to, it's just, it's part of how I'm wired. But I think as a, as a mom, you know, that doesn't mean that that needs to be my daughter's story. And even if she struggles through the years, it's just about having tools, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, once you enter into a difficult situation or if you're struggling, instead of kind of like festering it and sitting in it, there's tactics against it. And I think, you know, what you were talking about, and I love what you were saying about the food, it's having joy in God's creation that this is how we, he could have made a different for a different way for us to nourish our bodies. Mm-hmm, there could have sure. been a different way. You know, we see all the time in Jesus's life, eating food with his disciples, which right, are, was yeah. a large part of his ministry. And so Huge. that's the biggest piece that makes me sad that I feel like we've lost is this joy of this joy of eating. Yeah, like it's become yeah. breaking it's become, bread together. Yes. It's become mm-hmm. either an idol or either like the enemy instead mm-hmm. of like in the, its place of like what you were saying, like 
a delicious creation of, and you're making me want sweet potatoes and apples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family. And Save the Storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat. Over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses. Please support Save the Storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor. Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit savethestorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Well, I have a quick question. How much information have you personally shared with your daughter about your past? That's, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because we, I want to encourage my daughter yeah. to be confident, but uh, what do we share? Yeah. What do we don't share? What did you yeah. find in writing this book? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and I thought through that because I know, I, like I, I talk about in my book about the value of your story. And, yes. you know, that's an example I think of for my own life that it wasn't until I was in, I think my late teens, maybe like 18 or 19 that my mom shared with me some of her story. And I remember feeling so sad that I wish that I had known that younger, Mm. like how much it would have helped me to see my mom through that lens. And so the, the kind of tip that I prayed through was sharing, sharing a story with your daughter at the age that you experienced it. That's right. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. Right. So like, this is an example, like when my daughter was eight years old, she got invited to a group sleepover party. And, you know, that was just a trigger for me because when I was about her age, I went to a sleepover party and we learned all the bases. Yeah. That said yeah. certain grade sleepover party. So yep. I did not share with her at that story, what the bases were. <laughs> Yes. Right. But yeah. What I shared with her is that when mommy was exactly your age, this was my life experience. And so it's, it's because of that, I would just prefer if we wait to you're a little bit older. And so that's my plan, um, you know, to share with her at the age that, uh, at the age that I was at. And, and I think it's a good gauge because kids yes. are getting younger and younger now. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit safer, you know, in my age that, if there was something that I was struggling at 13, 13 is probably a 12 or 13 is probably a safe age. So yeah. But yeah, no, that's she, golden. She's not yeah. read my book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. One day. One Someday. day. Yeah. I'm, I'm positive. Yes. Uh, yeah. What are, the, what are some of those, um, just unspoken things that maybe our daughters will pick up that maybe we are not aware of that you have found? Yeah, I think definitely the way that we talk about ourselves is one that we might not even realize because they might not even maybe even we think they're around. But, you know, you're at the you're shopping and you're like, oh, I can't wear that. Uh, you know, oh. or, or, or I'm, at, I'm at home and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hate clothes shopping. I can never find anything that fits. You know, you're yeah, not even yeah. talking to her. 
Right. <laughs> These might not even be a part of the conversation, but I think things like that over time, they kind of show how we think about ourselves. Another yep. one of the underlying ones that I just personally think is an easy fix is the scale. I mean, I just, for me, I've resorted to only, you know, weighing myself at the doctors. I don't have a scale in my house. It was a trigger for me, you know? Yes. So I think daughter, you know, I, I had a friend of mine who, you know, I, I had a little like discussion, mother daughter time. And one of the discussions on there was about scales and the daughter mm -hmm. shared with her mom that she had snuck weighing all the time and her mom wow. like, mm -hmm. like went into her bathroom and, and so mm -hmm. mom got rid of the scale and the daughter was really thankful. You know, I think another thing is the nice thing about gym time is that, I mean, for the most part, as they get older, like, I don't even think my kids know, you know, when I am or not at the gym, it's just kind of like my <laughs> <laughs> mom's time. going somewhere right yeah. she's gonna come back right. happy. mom's not here now she's back okay cool yes <laughs> yeah she's sweaty and happy yeah got out all the stresses uh mm -hmm. you know but if I'm like oh my gosh I gotta go to the gym oh my goodness like you know I'm terrible I didn't get there you know type of this like the oh, I didn't process. do my workout yeah, yeah. the yeah. negative yes connotations you know it, and it mm. stinks it's like such a big job we have <laughs> and yeah. moms, like, you know, but that's why, like, that was my biggest heart is like, okay, now we know, you know, yes. now we know, and we don't need to be guilt, you know, we don't need to feel bad about ourselves for not having it done right up to now, or that time I said that thing. And there mm -hmm. have been times, you know, to maybe go back and reprocess with her. If you, yeah. if you did say something that you're like, you know, mommy thought about that and you know, I'm really sorry. That's not really how I see myself or, you know, just yeah. having those things instead of being guilt triggers, be conversation triggers. Um, mm. you know, but now, you know, now we know, and now we can get an idea. And for me, like, it's just always so much easier for me to be motivated to do something when somebody tells me to do it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So that's just kind of, you know, in, in confident moms, confident daughters, like us having the discussion, like, okay, we're, we're calling, e we're lovingly calling each other out. Now let's try mm. to, to do it. Yeah. Like so things. what if the mom's out there struggling and she's realizing like, oh, okay, yeah, I totally go to the gym and I'm like, yeah, I beat myself up about mm -hmm. that or what I'm not doing or what I could be doing and things of that nature. What yeah, would you to me? Yeah. What would you tell <laughs> to that mom to shift, to start shifting their conversation with their child, with their daughter? Yes. First of all, I would love to say that it's never, it's never too late. And oh, yes. I don't, you know, I don't care if your daughter is 18 or in her twenties, like mm. there, there's always chance. There's always chance for redemption you know, especially when, you know, when you do it prayerfully and with the truth of God, you know, to help you that there, it's never too late for these things. And there has been plenty of good adult conversations that my mom and I have had. So to, to not be, to not be discouraged, to not feel shame. And then the other thing that I would just say is to really, you know, start having discussions with friends about these things. Ask somebody, ask your husband, ask a friend, like, it, do you hear me talk like this about myself? Like if you, if, if, if I was oh, to ask awesome. you whether or not yeah. you think I'm a confident person, do you think I'm confident in myself? Like, do I talk about myself? Like I value myself and that I love myself or do That's you good. hear me, you know, and process with some safe places, you yeah. know, yeah. Before Key, safe you places. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Not a, I would not personally recommend Facebook for that yeah. question. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. <laughs> oh my 
my god! Take cover. Take cover. <laughs> right. Oh, oh. the barrage. And then, and then first, have it be a journey for you. Mm. You know, to to not yeah. necessarily have it be about your girl. You know, Beth Moore's um, book, So Long Insecurity. I think it might be renamed now. But a ten, nine or ten years ago or something, I read Beth Moore's book, So Long Insecurity, and that was my first step of battling my own insecurity. And, mm. you know, mm. I wasn't even doing it for my daughter yet. She was still such a baby at the time. But that was one of my first steps in saying, like, enough is enough. Like, I want to yeah. I want to do something about it. Yeah, I want to mm. be free. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can remember, like, a vivid – there was, like, a shift in in my motherhood – like security when we would go to the pool it was like two years ago and it it shifted from uh I don't want to take off my tank top and my shorts and Uh that awkward like oh I'm just Uh, gonna sit here (laughs) yeah 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 and then there was like this light bulb clicked on of like who the flipping cares I I just love that and sometimes it's just like a Yep. You know, a like a switch of like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, yep. I have three boys that are honest as all get out yep. and they'll come over and flick my arm. Yep. Like what you were saying in the book, they'll come over and say, mommy, you got a big tummy, which I'm yep. like, I really don't, but right. <laughs> whatever, like yeah. just let it roll right off the yeah, back yeah. and yep. not care. Yeah. And I think it's so important that even in those moments of teasing or whatever that you show that it does not matter. Your, mm. your comment on my body is, is not going to shift the way that I right. feel. Yeah. The way I parent you or the way I love you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That's but one thing example. I love that you talked about, you interviewed a lady who is an instructor at your mm. gym. Yep. And I have a dear friend who is the most joyful person I have ever met in my life. And she is a personal trainer. And one of her things is she loves to be playful in her training. So she'll go to like a playground and like run up and down the stairs and do push-ups on the thing. And I have, she's the most fit person I know because she exudes so much joy in working out. And I love that, that there's such a, it's again, that mindset switch of instead of I'm going to punish my body. Right. We're not looking the way that it's supposed to look. Yeah. According to Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. That it's actually like a no, let's just be moving and joyful. Mm-hmm. And so if you could touch on that a little bit, that would be great. Yeah, that's another fine line, right? It's talking about the physical fitness stuff because it is. It's some people's job. It's some people's gifting. Like mm-hmm, they yeah. have a gift. Like you said, like my friend, like her classes. She's, she like takes care over the people that are in there, right? So it's important mm. not to cast the thing in itself under the bus, right? But how we yes. treat the thing in a, in it itself, right? Mm-hmm. And this is again, this is an example of of an application for me that doesn't apply to everybody. Like I had to get over being able to go to the gym growing up, you know, in my head. I had all the fitness magazines in my head. You must go to the gym three to five days a week for at least 30 <laughs> minutes in order to, blah, blah, blah. it's like, it was like inserted permanently in my brain, like eating yeah. away at me and making me feel like a failure every single yeah. week of my life. Yep. And so mm-hmm. for me, that really hurt. Like that is, that is a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. So I've decided when I'm going to go to the gym and I don't feel guilty, I don't feel guilty that it is not that amount. 
But yeah. really yeah. just do if finding the thing, if it's biking or hiking or soccer or ultimate Frisbee, like it doesn't mm-hmm. need to look like the same for all of us and finding it, you know, finding, finding the joy in it. And I love, uh, you know, I love Lauren. She, when I go to her classes and, and talk to her, you know, that's her motivation for, mm-hmm. but she, but she has told me, you know, we've had conversations about that. It's hard in that industry keeping, yeah. Yeah. you know, keeping that, that the focus. So it's just yes. all about awareness and intentionality of it all. Mm-hmm. Mm. And encouraging your daughter to find something that they love. Like my daughter loves gymnastics much to my Trying to sway her away from, (laughs) but it doesn't work, even though she's broken many bones. Oh my goodness. But but that is her passion. She loves, yeah. She does. And Mm -hmm. she is, if she's not at the gym, she's at home doing the splits downstairs because it's fun. Yeah. I mean, and she wants me to come and do it with her, which I'm like, oh, I can't go down half as near as you. Yeah. But like, that's just such um, an important thing, too, is to teach your kids that whatever they're passionate about mm-hmm. and being active, um, like keep pushing that of like, yeah. yeah, go for what you love to do. I'm not going to make you go do this activity. Yeah. yeah. If that's not what your what right. your body wants, what you want, you know. Right. Yeah. So what is Lucy like? Lucy is she just likes to play. She's yeah. still pretty young. Um, she wants to do dance, but yeah. I've signed her up for some dance classes and it just doesn't seem like she has the fortitude yet to want to stay yeah. in a certain <laughs> class. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she's just a busybody. Yeah. Like any she's always just bouncing around. Yesterday she was riding her bike for three hours with the See? neighbor kids yeah. and that's awesome. Like I grew up as an athlete, so I I remember having lots of friends who had different eating disorders. I lost a friend in high school to an eating disorder. Oh. So, and I grew up in California where it was like you felt like you had to have a bathing suit body. But yeah. at least the girls I was around, we were more into being fit and having fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't. You should share what your schedule was like. Well, we'd, we'd practice volleyball for three hours and then we'd go to yoga and then we'd go surfing. And oh, then, yeah. you know, I mean, that's like, that was our right. life. That's all we right. did. And then we'd go to class a little bit. This was in college. Yeah. No, just yeah. kidding, everybody. Class was primary. No, just, it wasn't. Education is it was most not, important. It was not. It was having fun was primary. And aren't but, you glad that that's what you did? <laughs> yes, I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. But I know. school was pretty easy for me. I was blessed that way. But I just remember thinking, like, I can't do that today. I can't just go out and play all day long. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I go to CrossFit and I feel the yeah. reason I choose CrossFit mm-hmm. is because it yields the quickest results in the shortest amount of time. Yeah. So and I can be with my athletic. family. And my, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's competitive. It feeds those co- your competitive juices. Oh, I love that part. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? As soon yep. as I can uh-huh. beat someone. Right That's now right. I can't, but I'll be back on top beat soon. Some- <laughs> right. <laughs> I can beat my husband, so that's good. That that definitely <laughs> that is counts. awesome. Well, I did have a quick question, and I didn't know if you if this, you spoke about this in your book, but or if you came across it. What about people that are aging? Because I'm mm. getting up there. I'm going to be fifty yeah. soon, and my body doesn't look the same way. My right. my breasts aren't in the same place that they used <laughs> right. to be. I mean, just everything yep. is shifting. So, yep. 
how would you manage that conversation with your mm-hmm. your young yeah. child? It's an awful that aging thing. Uh, everything yeah. is wrinkly and saggy. But so this this is this is my processing about it is that I just want to be really careful not to impose my middle age problems onto my my daughter. Okay. <laughs> right. That's yeah. Good. And so easy. Hmm. Uh, that's not. I mean, we are all gonna like we are aging. There are things that we are gonna have to do that they mm-hmm. do not need to do yet, nor do they really need to know about it. So I actually talk about it in my book. I think you'll appreciate this, like our sex talk, right? Like we talk about our intimacy issues or discussions (laughs) behind closed doors, right? Like they don't need to learn about that yet. And so what health things that I'm having to deal with because I'm an aging person, I just Mm. don't really feel like it's something she needs to be educated on yet. As Mm. when we're teaching them the foundations of you cannot have 50 juice boxes in a day or, you know, yes, please go out and run around outside. Like it's not to say like we're throwing help out the window, mm-hmm. but my aging body issues will not compute in teenage daughter's <laughs> ears necessarily. Mm-hmm. And Amen. so okay. that's just not something that they need to, you know, of course, if they ask questions like, you know, then of course we answer them. But I just think that that's private information. And, and to say also too, at the women's brunch and like, we don't need to say like, Oh, my cholesterol. So, I mean, again, safe people, right? We have our safe yeah. people. Yeah. We have our husbands <laughs> and our safe people friends that we can complain about all the things, but you know, because it's so image charged, because yes. we know that confidence and body image and insecurity are such a thing for women. Like we just have to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make a woman struggle. You know, if, if I'm complaining about me and my things at a table with a woman who really just feels like she struggled with her weight since she was a little, like, I don't want to make her feel bad about herself because of my, you know, health for issues sure. that I have going on. So it's really just a constantly, you know, thinking others above yourself. And if I'm having an issue going on, like, I will be honest with you, ladies, like, I went back to work at um, back in the ministry at my church for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. since I had kids. So it's been over a decade that I've like, put clothes on in the morning, yeah. <laughs> walked yeah. out my door. Totally, <laughs> totally. Right. And so I'm sitting at a desk all day. And I'm like, Ugh. like, I literally feel like myself expanding. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's a lifestyle change and it's okay Mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to navigate that and figure that out, but it doesn't need to affect my walking at the pool or, you know, like it, you just Mm -hmm. keep it where it is, right? A phase of life, a season, a medical thing. We got to, we do need to address these things. It doesn't have to affect our worth or insecurity like it Mm -hmm. used to, where I just go down that deep, dark, deep, dark place of, you know, places. Oh, Mm -hmm. Maria, that's great. Thank you. Well, is there any last things that you want to share before we sign off? Well, I, I mean, I'm just so thankful for ladies like you and I love your, you know, your rebel parenting concept. Cause I really do believe that in a lot of ways that my book is a rebel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Of a rebel book. And mm-hmm. you know, I just, the, the opportunities that I get when I'm talking with moms, it's, it's mm-hmm. really hard sometimes guys, like mm-hmm. yep. the tears that come, Mm-hmm. When we talk mm-hmm. about this, the, you know, the daughters that come up to me and say, mom doesn't know, but I don't eat and I don't want to tell her mm-hmm. like it's, you know, if you got, if you could insert this into your, you know, into your prayer life as a woman for this generation of girls like that, that's mm-hmm. my biggest prayer. It's been my decade long prayer that mm-hmm. this generation of girls, I'm positive. It's not going to be perfect. I'm positive that it is going to be hard, but that this generation of girls will not have our same stories about yes. the image and about the insecurity stuff and Mm -hmm. 
while I know that we are flawed women, that, you know, I am going to do the, the best that I can. And she, at the end of the day, like my daughter was the motivation to break this. I, you know, mm-hmm. insecurity doesn't really feed like it, me being enough. So, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter was what God used to help teach me that I am enough and this, you know, this can be broken. And so it's a generational yeah. prayer, I believe, for our young girls growing mm-hmm. up that they would not have the same content on their podcasts in 10 years. I'm sure that yes. they'll be all stuff <laughs> but not this one amen yes. that's amen. a great prayer love it yeah well, well thank, thank you. you thank you maria we appreciate yeah, thank it you. thank you so much for having me it's awesome being with you guys thank you so much for listening rebels thanks for sharing this with your friends thanks for supporting us and do we appreciate it do we appreciate it yes we do We appreciate all of our supporters and our sponsors, like The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution.com for The Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.